The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom. With Jason Ross. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. The head coach of your Los Angeles Chargers, Jim Harbaugh. Arbs. Arbs. Uh, there was some talking about. Um, there was some. There was some talk on the uh, the YouTube chat about uh, uh, what the Warriors are going through, and uh, I, I don't know the context here. I'm just catching the comment that uh you know when, when you're talking about delays after tragedies that uh uh Loyola Marymount played the tournament after Hank Gathers passed and you and I are old enough to remember all of that and um that was and, and that was and, and and that's an example of a an incredibly I mean it doesn't get it pretty much doesn't get more tragic than uh, I think I think Hank was twenty at the time, nineteen, twenty at the time, maybe twenty-one. Young kid, life ahead of him, would have been an NBA player. Was leading the NCAA in scoring and rebounding. Uh, his life cut down in front of people. Right now, that was in the 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 league tournament. And then Loyola Marymount. That's an example, though. Kind of what I'm talking about is that they they took this absolutely horrific situation. And and led by Bo Kimball, uh, ended up making a run in the NCAA tournaments, uh, knocking off defending champion Michigan at one point. Uh, they had the whole country behind them. It was like you're you're crying after every game. Bo Kimball, uh, as an honor to Hank Gathers, shot his free throw. His I think it was the first free throw left handed, and I think he made every one if I remember correctly in the tournament. Um, and then, then ran into the buzzsaw with Duke, right? Uh, you know, which Duke is certainly Duke. Uh, but, but that, and, and you know, I, I think there's been at least two or three movies uh, made about that since. But it, again, it's just when sports and real life interact. Sometimes, sometimes my point is, and and this is where I hope it it happens with the Warriors to an extent. That really, at its core, Jason, I think, is when you talk about the. When when I and when I'm uh, doing my uh, introspective, what are we doing here? The Kings are stupid. Why do we spend all this time yeah. talking about sports? It's meaningless. It doesn't matter, you know. And that's just me being a whiny pants. But you know this better than anyone, Jason. At its core, sports are so can be so wonderful and uplifting. They can bond and bind people together that don't know each other. They can lift people up out of out of sadness and and provide them a a, a distraction. And I and I hope that's what I hope I guess I'm trying to say I hope that's where this goes with the Warriors. You know, yeah, I, it can be a, like you said a, a distraction. I think a lot of the players said, you know, they were they were anxious to play in one sense to get their minds off it. Yeah. But you could tell last night it, their minds weren't off it. No. And I don't blame them for that. No, and they and they ended up beating the Hawks yeah. and and that's good. Um and then you you, you kind of hope maybe tonight 
uh, that this obviously they're not going to forget it happened, right. but tonight will be back kind of okay. Everyone's back in a rhythm, less emotional, less emotional, and uh, you know what? And and it's going to be tip of the cap and hand over heart and all that stuff pregame. But then, like I said, I wouldn't want to condescend or insult them, nor would I think they'd want it. In fact, I know they wouldn't. And then it's like, all right, let's go. And I we beat their asses by fifty. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it, it's a reminder that there's more important things. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, a lot of success with the uh, the 49ers. Obviously, he didn't win a title, but a lot of success. He's been successful pretty much everywhere he's gone. Um, the, 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 the rub, if you will, that's kind of been there for Jim since, uh, and I, I first started hearing it when he was with the Niners, is you know how he professes his love for milk, mm. and he kind of has something in common with milk, that he has a shelf life. This is not a guy that's going to be in one place for 10 years. This is a guy that eventually he has success, but he rubs people the wrong way. And and eventually, you know, it's 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 kind of time to go. Uh, when you look at his, his coaching records, I mean, just San Diego, right, for, in college. He's first year seven and four built that had two consecutive 11 and one years finishes 29 and six at San Diego goes to Stanford first year, not his recruiting class, four and eight, five and seven, eight and five, 12 and one and an orange bowl win. Boom. Okay. Then he goes, you know, does the NFL thing, San Francisco, 13 and three, 11 and four, 12 and four. And then you'll remember that eight and eight year, uh, and, and see you later. And then goes to Michigan and just completely, builds that program long as he's actually ever been I think what nine years in Michigan 186 and 25 at Michigan um including 60 and 17 in in league play what matters more than anything at Michigan more than national championships beating Ohio State which which he started to do at the end yes he did uh and now it's back to the NFL where I would bet serious money that the next two, three, four years at minimum, I don't know if it's going to happen in year one, but he's going to improve that team. Mm-hmm. He, that team is going to be better. And Jason, they have the talent to do it too. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting, I, I wonder if, you know, how he burns, uh, not burns a bridge, but rubs people the wrong way, maybe yeah. over time. It feels like he could have stayed at Michigan, barring yes. the, uh, you know, we don't know right. what's going to happen sanctions wise, if anything, to that program. So I think because he was so successful and now won a championship, he could have probably, and a Michigan man, probably could have stayed there the rest of his career if he wanted to. But obviously the NFL was calling to him, has been calling to him. He's been interviewed the last couple of years as a coaching candidate. And what's interesting to me is a couple of programs were looking at him, uh, the Falcons, certainly the Chargers, and uh, he picks them and they pick him. And and I think it makes the most, if I'm Jim Harbaugh and I'm looking around, I go okay. Do I, you know, do I want to go to Atlanta? Uh, all right, here's the Chargers. It's L.A. It's gonna be a boatload of money. I'm back in California. I coached at San Diego, and then you look at the roster. You look at Justin Herbert. You look at Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, uh, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, Asante Samuel. There is a core there that you can 100% work with. Now, I, I'm not, and, and you know, not to get too nerdy about the Chargers, but when you look at cap space and all that stuff, 
I, they're going to have to make some maneuverations, if you will. But I, I think the bottom line is he looked at that and went, yeah, you know what? I think we can do some things here. And this not only is a geographically comfortable place for me, but this is a team that is is prime. And if you're a coach, of course you want to look at this. It's like a stock. Are they underperforming? And do I see things there that make this a good investment in the long run? And I think he looked at the Chargers and he went, okay, they've had a lot of bad luck. They've had a lot of things go wrong. They were 5-12 and 12 last year. That's not a 5-12 and 12 team. It's just not. It's not a 5-12 and 12 th- team. I don't think it will be 12-5 and five next year. But if would it surprise you at all if they were an above 500 team next no. year? No. I mean, the year ago they made the playoffs. So it's one year removed from the playoffs. This year was disappointing. We've always said the Chargers invent ways to lose. Yeah. And so he that's the thing he's got to correct. The close games that they seem to play in and lose, he's got to try to fix that. We got one minute to fix this show. Because that's that's anything wrong with them. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Three for Madness brought to you by Fire Wings. We'll talk about the Chargers a little bit, also the A's. And uh, who's got to step up on this road trip? But there's an asterisk on that question. Ooh, Chris Rolano will explain next. Three questions, three answers. It's Three for Madness on the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Here's question one. During the break, it came across from Sean Serrania that Doc Rivers' contract with the Bucks through the 26-27 season is worth in the range of $40 million. By the way, Milwaukee is still paying Mike Budenholzer and, of course, Adrian Griffin, who they just signed a few months ago, and now Rivers for the next three and a half years. You got to think, they're somewhere in the neighborhood now of paying twenty-five to thirty million dollars a year for coaches. That's a lot of bucks. That's this seems like a cash grab. It's a lot of bucks for Doc Rivers. Cash grab. You okay there? <laughs> Three, uh, I'm trying the, to get the uh, correct audio. All, all right. the titles he won, and you know, players universally love him. He has a great reputation in the industry. Yeah. People really love and trust him. And and he and he kind of got the job in a very ethical way. Mm. Three for madness. Chris yes, Rillard. Question one. Who finishes higher next year, the Raiders or the Chargers? Ooh, good question, Chris. Yeah, good question. Really Chris. good question. I I hate to say this, Raider fan. I'm gonna say Chargers. I am, because it starts at the quarterback. And that's one spot the Chargers very much have figured out that the Raiders do not have figured out. Um, I just, I think the, the Chargers are a better team that were mismanaged this year that had some pretty bad injuries. I hope I'm wrong. Go go Raiders, go. Good for you. But if I'm a betting man, I, I think Harbaugh's going to come in and I think he's going to turn that ship around. Yeah, it feels like that's the right answer. I'll just take the Raiders on a whim. You know, I think two of the last three, the Raiders actually beat them. They had the uh, game two or three years ago where it was the game 17, week 17. Yeah. And the winner got in and the Raiders beat the Chargers. And then this year they had a better record. So I think two of the last three, it's been the Raiders. So I'll stick with this. You're just doing that to be some Raider fan. Be like, we love Jesus. I love the Raiders. I actually do like the Raiders. Number two. Question two. If you were calling the shots on the fight for the A's to stay in Oakland, what would be your first order of business? Since we were just talking about football, I'll uh, use the football term, plug the A-gap. And what I mean by that is imagine John Fisher is a mole trying to 
escape mm-hmm. in different tunnels. Block the tunnels. Start with Las Vegas. Um, look, in the world of public relations, there is especially when it's a high-stakes game like this, Jason, I don't think there's anything that's off-limits. If I was in charge like of what? well, what I you know what I would do, I would start by very publicly highlighting the demographics of Las Vegas and Oakland. I would highlight what's been going on in Oakland uh, as far as losing their teams, um, all the all the different situations going on there, and that they can't afford to lose another business and all. Let me ask you this: Do you remember at all ever? Like, if I were to say to you, "Hey, how many jobs?" are being lost because the A's are leaving Oakland. Do you know? I don't. No, of course you don't, because I've never heard. I've, I'm not saying it's never been out there, but that's a term we should be able to fire off at the top of our head. They're going to lose 800 jobs, which is going to cost X amount of money, which is going to not feed X amount of fat. You have to personalize this. And then go down to Vegas and go, Vegas is making money hand over foot. They, they've got the Aces. They've got the Raiders. They, they've... They've got the Golden Knights. Like, Oakland needs this. And look at the breakdown of demographics in Vegas. Look at the breakdown of demographics in Oakland. What's really going on here, baseball? Why are you choosing a city that is a far lower TV market? It's going to get you far less revenue over Oakland. Is it because is it because you don't like the fans? Do you not like the way they look? And I think that's not race baiting. I think that's a legit question I'd like to pose, Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball. You have to you have to blow the lid off of this thing. You have to make those owners and baseball in general uncomfortable with them being painted a certain way. And at the same time, you have to make the Vegas politicians incredibly uncomfortable at working with John Fisher and Major League Baseball mm-hmm. in this capacity. you got to get dirty, man. You, you've got to roll your sleeves up, stop being nice, and really go after these guys. Yeah, I think those are all – and then I think if you can accentuate what the positives would be, yes. like the Joe Lacobs, like what baseball has been in Vegas, maybe even – or in uh, – in, Oakland and maybe even get some contingent in Vegas that seem to be a decent voice that aren't excited for this. That's right. You know, and let that group be heard as well. So you've got some that are trying to support to keep them, others that are like, no, we don't really want them here. I think you got to, you really got to get everything all, all locked in together. As we said before, Vegas can do better than John Fisher. Mm-hmm. John Fisher needs to go. And John Fisher needs to go with a golden parachute. No one's asking him to go broke here. John Fisher just simply needs to sell the A's for billions of dollars, make a beautiful profit off the whole thing. And there's still room, I think, for John Fisher to exit baseball. I don't think he can exit as a good guy. But I think there's a path where the ghost of Christmas future visits him and he comes around and maybe... Maybe exits being able to hold his head up to a point. Cause, Maybe because right now he is persona non grata. I I don't know how he hasn't done anything I, I, or like earned anything. Oh no or- no no! You're 100 percent right. I'm saying again. Let's paint this picture here. If you could, if you still could, in the end, when you sell, like he has that, no that's how problem being the person that he is. Right I don't now. think so either. And my point is this: I think that if he turned around tomorrow and said, "You know what? After a lot of thinking, after a lot of whatever." Um, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell this team. I can't do this to Oakland. And a lot of people are going to go, oh, because Vegas didn't work. And they're they're right. He won't be a hero. Won't be a hero. No. But in the end. Uh, A's fans got what they wanted. Yes. And I think he could do something a little bit like, like, Maybe a little better than the Maloofs. But we forget at the end, you know, George showing his King's tattoo. The Maloofs 
kind of exposing that they left a a sliver in that contract that there was room for negotiation with the Sacramento group. Yeah. Like we kind of underplay that, but part of the reason the Kings were able to stay is that they put in the contract a backdoor way for Sacramento to still be able to negotiate to keep the team. And yeah. and that's often railroaded a little bit. The Maloofs still aren't hugely welcome here, right. but I, I... They still did sell. They still did sell. Yeah. All right. Num- and Fisher is worse than the Maloofs. And Fisher is worse than the Maloofs. You're 100% right. Number three. Question three. Which non-Big Six king needs to step up most on the trip? It's the Big Six. Okay. Starters so, and Monk? Starters and Monk. Yeah, that's what I mean by that. So, out, out. Uh, of course, we could say any of those, those six. I'm talking about beyond that, and the Zankov's out now. So who is, if I if I told you, hey hey Jason, I'm gonna give one of the remaining roster a really really like season best road trip, which one do you think, with those parameters in place, would have the most effect on the Kings positively? Trey Lyles. I think that's the only answer that I could come up with because of the inconsistency of that group, in playing time, in production. And we're talking Sasha, who's out, and yeah. that could be Keon Ellis, that could be JaVale McGee, Alex Len, Duarte, Ike Davion. It's Trey would be the only one that I would go consistently has helped, produced, I trust, has helped them win games before, and I think can help them win again. I'd be Trey Lyles for me. That's I think that's the right answer. I was waiting for you because the, the only one I was kind of struggling with is, let's say, this road trip. Davion Mitchell had the best stretch of his season. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think that that would have a very positive effect second to Trey Lyles, but I think you're right. I think ultimately with Trey, it gives you a very important outside shooting, uh, a good presence on the floor, and also is going to throw some defense in, in yeah. there as well. I, and, and you're right. That second unit needs – it can't just be Monk, man. They're, they're going to need some help, especially on these road trips. All right, we will uh, take a break here in a second. want to remind you, Kelly Brothers is coming up next with Sports Business. Amongst the things we're going to talk about, the demise of Sports Illustrated. Mm, we haven't man. spent enough time on I this. Know. It just sucks in so many ways. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if somebody's going to end up buying the, 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 the property for a dollar. And- yeah. But I don't know if I guess I'm as guilty as it. Like, that's nostalgia for me. I mm-hmm. couldn't wait to get SI. Who's on the cover? And yeah. then I don't know the last time I... Same, you know. Same. I canceled that subscription years ago. You, and I go. I guess I'm I'm as guilty as you know. I'm like, hey, why? Wh- why? Where's it going? Right. Well, I don't get SI well, anymore. What was the last time you you would get that? That you would get Sports Illustrated. That was the big Christmas present for me every mm-hmm. year. Was renewing my subscription. I had a phone football. You know, yes. a, a number of different things. Yeah. You you get SI. I would for me. I would immediately turn to Rick Riley and read Rick Riley. Uh, unless there was something like, you know, Will Clark or somebody that was like really, really, I was really into. Then uh, Faces in the Crowd was fun to read where where you'd have uh, young players from around, you know, a lot, and there are a lot of future Hall of Famers in that Faces in the Crowd when they were, you know, 12, 13, 14. Um, and then you just go through and whether it's draft previews or, you know, I don't know, man. I just know this. In the bedroom at my parents' house. I had one wall that was completely wallpapered with um, front covers of Sports Illustrated. I had another wall 
that I didn't get completely papered because it only come out came out once a year, but that had um, all the uh, swimsuit edition covers. Because yeah. let, let's just be honest, man, yeah. that swimsuit edition was really important to my childhood. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest here. And then the other one, and then I had another wall, and it was I would very carefully with scissors cut out not just the page with like a picture of Michael Jordan dunking, but I'd like cut his legs and his, I'd cut around oh, him. Oh, wow. Okay. And then I, and then, so I had this like massive collage. So my whole room was like Sports Illustrated stuff. Dork. Yes. But to your point, I can't even tell you the last time I read a Sports Illustrated. Yeah. The internet ruined everything. Yeah. So thanks, we'll, internet. Thanks, internet. We'll talk with Kelly Brothers about that and more. Matt Barnes joining us at 927. Sam Amick in a half an hour. Don't go away. We're right back with Kelly next. Joining us now on SportsSense, certified financial planner Kelly Brothers. Kelly is an advisor with CapTrust, one of the nation's largest registered investment advisors. CapTrust counts among its clients numerous pro athletes and pro sports franchises, but most importantly serves many Northern Californians through comprehensive financial planning. Here's Kelly Brothers. All right, let's go. Kelly Brothers joining us. Good morning, Kelly. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Good to see you, too. Your bright-eyed, bushy-tailed every morning. Yeah, every yeah. morning. Every morning. Bushy-tailed, bright-eyed, ready to go. You know, and, and just put, peeling back the curtain, everybody, uh, you know, before, because Kelly uh, is actually a professional, before uh, the show, before our conversation, we have a text thread where we'll kind of go over, give everybody a chance to kind of do some research. We'll go over the topics of the day. And I'm assuming, Kelly, we're not talking about Denise of Sports Illustrated, because I don't know who she is. Uh, I'm going to guess we're going to talk about the demise of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> that's right. That's what I prep yeah, for. So if we're talking about Denise, that's going to be topic. It's gonna be all you this segment. Um, I, but, and, and the conversation kind of dovetailed. I can talk about uh, L of Sports Illustrated, uh, Cindy. Yeah. Uh, I can talk about... The, the the whole swimsuit editions the 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 the, the football phone uh, Jason and I were talking about you know growing up as kids having our subscriptions uh, cutting stuff out of there uh, putting it on the wall the the, the bed you know the kids bedroom uh, when we were growing up and, and it, it's just so nostalgic and sad what's going on and, and that IP is basically done as we know it yeah it's uh uh, it's it's done. It's over, and it, it, it it's hard to believe that um, you know you you could take something that used to have you know three and a half million readers every week, and and really kind of uh, see it just run into the ground. Part of it was editorial, but part of it was also you know just a complete change in the way advertisers look at those things. I mean, Amazon sold forty billion in advertising last year, so it's no wow. wonder you know all forms of traditional media have suffered in that regard. But um, you're right. It, it was a huge part, part, part of my my childhood. It was. I, I remember. I remember the swimsuit issue. <laughs> I remember the reaction of my mother. I remember loving the letters three weeks later from, you know, uh, Sister Mary in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> saying they're removing it from their uh, school library. Uh, I love that stuff, um, and I loved the articles. As a young man, I can remember watching Sports Illustrated arrive and putting it aside because I had a flight that week. Mm. I was going somewhere and this was my, this was going to get me through the two and a half hours on the airplane to go somewhere. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is nostalgic. And and there are some of the articles that stick with me to this day and that I quote to my friends still, Sid Finch. Yes. Um, Finch, Frank DeFord, Rick Riley. 
there are iconic writers. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that I mean, a lot of them have moved on. But Kelly, like the, a lot of it's about the images illustrated, the pictures. But I mean, the iconic writers they once had is I just feel a lot of people got their start there or really made their name there. No, and uh, it, it, you know, the, the swimsuit edition was a huge pop for them, but that was one week of the year. You're yeah. right. The writing carried them. And, and even their, I think I might have mentioned this before, but there was an article about a basketball player named Jim Kennedy, and he was just a normal guy. He was not an All American. He was, it was just about his life, his relationship with his parents, his girlfriend, his coach, going to classes. And it was, it was an incredible door opening to the whole world we had no idea about. Um, and it, so uh, sad, def- definitely sad about SI. Well, and, and also just to put a lid on that, and Jason brought up the point uh, before you came on, you know, I it's our fault too because I can't remember the last time I picked up a Sports Illustrated, much less read it. Uh, those great writers have either passed or just moved on to other things. Uh, and, and you're right, what used to be something that you would – you would almost save and then save her later, uh, cover to cover. Uh, and, and we mentioned the articles, we mentioned the swimsuit edition and all that, stuff, but, but also it was the iconic photos, the, the amount yeah. of iconic photos that came from sports illustrated, but then the internet came along and now yeah. we've got it all at our fingertips and, uh, nobody has that attention span anymore and, and you want it right away. You don't want to wait every week for it. So, even though we're kind of crying over it because we're all of that generation, uh, it, it's also kind of all our fault too. We we we. When was the last time you read a Sports Illustrated, Kelly? No, it's been a while. I've read articles from, but you're right. Yeah. I've not sat down and read something cover to cover. But you're right. We'd I'd sit down and boy, if the Niners were on the cover, that was a big deal. Yes. Look at Joe Montana's on there again. Look. Yeah. You know, it was so. Uh, anyway, I, I wish there was a way it could move on, but maybe the fact it's gone makes us all appreciated a little more. Yep. Yeah, and I wonder if there's even, you know, there was a time like the National, I think, was such a yeah. great idea. USA Today, I think, is going down this same road. Um, you know, I think things cycle, Kelly, but I don't know that we're ever going to have something like this again. Do you think so? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I don't know. I think we can all create that in in the little uh, bar we have at the top of our browser. We hit the publications we like. We sure. hit the articles we like, and you know, SI like other publications. You know, tried in recent years has tried to be all things to all people, and they, you know, they they moved. They, they had trans models in there, and that you know, and and he at some point you're 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 also blocking out parts or, or at least giving a reason for people not to tune in. And uh, that became a problem for them, like it has for many publications. Kelly Brothers. You can't be all things to all people. you got to know your audience. Yeah. Who's yeah. your audience, and what do they want to see? And they, the reason they be – don't forget the reason they became your audience. Kelly Brothers joining us, talking sports business. Uh, Netflix, getting into live sports, kind of, uh, with uh, a wrestling partnership. Raw will appear on there. There's going to be a whole thing behind that. What does this mean? Uh, I'll tell you what, if I was ESPN, I'd be shaking in my boots Yeah. Uh, because Netflix, if they're, I mean, this is not just raw. This is not just wrestling. This is not just the rock. This is them saying, all right, we're interested in live sports too. And they have 260 million subscribers. So if they're getting into the game, in addition to, and remember, I think it's if you break it down for Netflix, I think it's about 80 million in the U.S., 180 million outside the U.S. But don't tell me they're not going to become a player in soccer. You know, um, 
don't tell me <clears throat> they're not going to be a significant bidder for some major sports properties. So, uh, the, if I like, if, if they're if they're sticking their toe over the line into live sports, ESPN and and other carriers have to be oh, whoa because they, they are deep pocketed. They are very successful, um, and you know now now you've got. Apple, Amazon, Netflix. No one was even talking about Netflix doing this a month ago. This came completely out of left field. And uh, what are they spending? $50 billion? Um, so $5 billion, excuse me, $5 billion on Raw. But um, th- they have the money to spend. And they're, you know what? The other thing is they added an incredible amount of subscribers in the fourth quarter last year. You know why? Because their crackdown on password sharing worked. Yeah. And people thought, all right, if I can't spread this password around to eight of my friends, they're all going to have to get their own subscription. And they did. So uh, I, I, this this is a this is a shot across the bow of anyone in live sports right now that Netflix is entering the game, too. And, and I think about them, Kelly, we just talked about SI and how kind of the demise and they're basically out Netflix the way it started. I mean, you were getting CDs in the mail and like they were close to being done and they reinvented themselves and now continue to do so. And you're right. They could be a huge player in sports going forward. I remember thinking, really, they're going to go, they're going to spend millions on uh, original content. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought the business model would have worked just with replaying old episodes of, you know, sitcoms and old movies and, and all that stuff. But their original content is some of the most incredible. Uh, I mean, as their, and it's their most popular offering. I don't know if you got I, my wife and I last night watched um, American Nightmare mm-hmm. uh, about the uh, case down in Vallejo. Yep. Uh, that, that was fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Didn't reflect well on the Vallejo P- Police Department, but right. fascinating. Um, but uh, so, but they're, they're a player. They are a huge player. They're well run. They're well capitalized. They have. And as I said, they have people who are already willing to fork out every month. Uh, they have, you know, 260 million subscribers, and that's a head start that most of these folks don't have. It's really interesting, uh, and and I could obsess on this topic all day. When you, you go to 50,000 feet and you look at the content availability we have right now. Now, the three of us grew up with, you know, 310, 13, 31, 40, and, you know, kind of 58. Those were the channels we had here. And for the most part, you had, before the CW, you had ABC, NBC, CBS. Fox came along uh, and was the, you know, Tracy Ullman show in The Simpsons and, and married with children. Uh, then they moved into football and, and developed. Now, as you said, Kelly, you've got Netflix coming into live sports and all of their original content, some of which has won Oscars. You've got Amazon with uh, Thursday Night Football, their first little toe dip in there, and some amazing, uh, uh, you know, like The Boys on Amazon is one of the most well-successfully run shows, most popular uh, uh, anywhere. Uh, same thing with um, uh, Apple and Ted Lasso and, and, and getting MLS for 10 years. Uh, you've got all these contracts coming up, whether it's Champions League, the NBA is a big one, and... You're right, Kelly. When you look at the landscape, first off, oh my God, the amount of content that is available to everybody to, to fit their needs, the amount of jobs out there now to produce all of that content originally, 
But now you have Reed Hastings with Netflix. You have Jeff Bezos with Amazon. You have all these huge players. And ESPN and Disney are dying on the vine right now. Disney was talking earlier this year about spinning off ESPN and selling it from their properties. Uh, I think the next five years are going to be live or die for ESPN as we know it. And if I'm a betting man, I don't think the ESPN we see in three or four years is going to be the same one we recognize today. I would absolutely agree uh, with that. And my hope, I got to be honest with you, my, I have this hope and it's just a dream. But um, if this country is going to survive, uh, we need a free and independent press. And and we just don't have that, or at least we don't, we don't, we've lost that. Um, and uh, I truly hope that one of these juggernauts comes up with a new way of delivering the news that people can look at and say, that's balanced that that uh, and even and and the people who don't want to hear from the left will continue to go where they go and the people who don't want to hear from the right will continue to go where they go but for the for the uh, future of the country we need that and and that model has completely broken down with the demise of uh especially with newspapers i mean look at the la times this week laid off 20 percent of their staff you're talking about the largest newspaper in California now has fewer than 400 employees. Um, and, and that is such a change from 20, 30 years ago. And we have to find a way, we have to find the new business model for how that works. We haven't yet, but I'm truly hoping one of these behemoths actually puts something together that makes sense to people. Well, and, and again, we got to go. I could, we could have a two hour conversation. This is a podcast. <laughs> Kelly, I think you, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to assume for you. I think you and I kind of both know the toothpaste out of the tube on that one. There's just, there's no chance. You're going to have the right going to their, their echo chamber. You're going to have the left going to the other side. I don't see their, you know, Chris Cuomo is trying to do something with news nation where, where he's using the whole free agent thing as a uh, fair and balanced. Walter Cronkite would either be a, a swamp creature today or a, a, a mouthpiece of the left, uh, you know, depending on where you want to, you, you want to put him and people just want to hear what they want to hear to reinforce uh, their beliefs on the extreme. I think the only things we have, honestly, it's local news. Local news, they're the ones. I, you don't often hear, like, Lisa Gonzalez is a mouthpiece for the right. Like, you don't hear that stuff. Yeah, and No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. You're right. And that's, and that's, that's retained. But I, I truly believe, Dave, uh, there are people who just want to be in the echo chamber. And there are a lot of us who, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I was listening to this guy, uh, the guy running against Biden, Dean Phillips, he's the congressman yeah. who actually raised his hand and said, no, I think I could actually do a better job and I'd like to run. Right. And I, I just find it so refreshing when you hear someone from one side of the party talk about the other side of the party, the other, the other side of the country's ideas. They're not all bad. There's some of these we got to incorporate in here. And I, I think there's a lot of people in the middle who are afraid to put their hand up because they're going to be, you know, they're going to, they're going to take shots from the left and the right. Um, and I, I think there's more there in the middle than we give credit for. I really do. Well, in the meanwhile, that's my hope. Hey, that's look, my hope. in the meantime, in November, we'll be voting for two guys with a combined age of 160. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there we go. Hey, two quick, quick things. Just I noticed the Bucks are now paying three coaches wow. this year. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, that and then the other thing was uh, Ohio State. There's a great article in the Wall Street Journal. You know, I think Ohio State sees their opportunity. Uh, they've had a rough year or two. I mean, they've had great records, but sure. they, Michigan just squashed them. But they, the way they are raising money and handing it out to recruits, I mean, 
the way the morality of this has changed in like two years is unbelievable. Remember, uh, you know, USC had to give up two years of wins because someone helped pay for a, an apartment for Reggie Bush. Right? Yeah. And, and now you have uh, Ohio State just handing out millions to people who have yet to put on the uniform for them. It's wow. just, it's astounding how quickly that's changed. And I truly hope it doesn't destroy college football. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio, right? <laughs> right I know. This is all about nostalgia. Yes. I remember when. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for the three boomers. Uh, Kelly, appreciate your time. And, uh, Get off my lawn. <laughs> that's right. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, brother. See you guys. All right. Thank you. That's Kelly Brothers. We're way over. Good good talk, though, as always. When we come back, Kings Warriors tonight, we'll look at the road trip. And uh, uh, De'Aaron Fox speaks. We'll uh, do all that next. to get your sports fix. Live and vocal. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Thanks to Kelly Brothers. It really is interesting, though, to talk about where television has gone and is going. And live sports is such a hot commodity because sports and news, that those are the only things left where you, you don't fast forward through the commercials. Like You have to watch them. Like for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is like, not a lot of people DVR, you know, you can DVR your shows, yeah. big bang theory and just zoom through the ads. Not a lot of people are DVR news. And with the exception of my dad, not a lot of people are DVRing sports on a regular basis and, and going through it. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see because radio has kind of mirrored it. You know, it, it, the Netflix for radio, you could call that uh serious. Mm hmm. Uh, and then the local channels, which, you know, we're like channel three, you know, so you have your, lo- your live and locals, then you have your Sirius, which brings you all the, you know, the Stearns and the, the national shows and all that. And it's really interesting to see the breakdown of people's listening and viewing habits. And then, oh, by the way, you've got podcasts, right? They're like, Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'll say it again. You, we lived in a world when we were kids where you were. Every Sunday, the the bee would have a TV guide in it, right. and you'd open that up and you'd see, oh well, Cheers is on at nine. I mean, mm-hmm. you knew when that stuff was yeah. on, but for the most part, you had your your news in the morning. Uh, then you would get into like a game show or two. Then you'd have your uh, your soaps. T- your soaps, hundred percent. You watch my stories. It, all my children, days of our lives. You'd have all your dramas. You throw in like an hour or two of talk shows in there. Sally, Jesse, Raphael, yeah, Oprah, Phil. whatever. Phil Donahue. Geraldo uh, 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 Rivera. Yes. Uh, and and then you would get into, depending on on, on the big ones, 310 and 13, uh, you would get into um, you know your people's court or whatever that would roll into the, the afternoon news. Mm-hmm. And then on your uh, 31s and 40s, you'd go into kids programming. You'd go into uh, you know, He-Man and G.I. Joe and all that crap. Uh, and then you'd roll into sports. And your, your, you know, your prime time would start at, it used to be at 8, then yeah. they moved it back to 7. Um, and you'd have a magazine show. Usually it was very cookie cutter, like Entertainment Tonight would right. fill that, that, that 7. A current eight. affair. A current affair, exactly, all of that. And you, you go back and you can just see there's these benchmarks. 
that I find fascinating for okay weirdo party of one for changes when it comes to programming. Like we mentioned, Geraldo Rivera. Mm-hmm. Well, people forget about Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo Rivera is almost single handedly responsible for the complete change in how talk shows worked. Geraldo Rivera had um, uh, some African American leaders and some KKK guys on the same stage, and shockingly, that resulted in a fracas. And Geraldo was hit with a chair, and it broke his nose, and he was bleeding on 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 television. And that was on that was the lead story on every single news broadcast anywhere. And somebody had a eureka moment in the Geraldo Rivera production office and went, "Oh my God, if we do this." Everyone wants to watch this. They don't want to watch Phil Donahue talking to Mary from South Dakota about, uh, you know, how she feels about the latest thing. Yeah, the world's largest potato. Right. No, they want to see action. And Geraldo got his show pregnant with that stuff, and they had a baby, and they named it Jerry Springer. And they named it uh, Morton Downey Jr. And... um, Except for Geraldo got me on the one special where it was Al Capone's, well, the vault. Al Capone's vault. I couldn't wait, couldn't wait. Watch, I was watch, with you, felt dude. like a bottle. So, it was like those ghost shows now. Yeah. Like there's just no payoff that's ever. We, that's what happened? That that's is, it? Right. What's in there? And the Geraldo Rivera effect, just to tie it all together and, and, and squeeze it off here, uh, that that went into, that's, that's, that's bled into sports. Now, we don't have as much as I'd love to see it. Uh, we don't have Stephen A. and Skip Bayless fighting with each other every day. That'd be so, like, literally like fist fighting. That would be awesome. Like, if you just had constant fist fights, which, by the way, don't discount that from happening at some point. But now what you have is, you know, the Geraldo Rivera effect on talk shows. The Geraldo Rivera equivalent is John Clayton and Sean Salisbury. Because mm-hmm. Clayton and Salisbury would have their sports center moments where they go over football and John would call Sean a failed quarterback, and Sean would call John a nerd, and they'd go back and forth. They loved each other, but they would just screw with each other nonstop, and people ate it up. And that got pregnant, and that had a baby. And, oh, my God, if you want to talk like a coaching tree, you can start with John Clayton and Sean Salisbury. And you go from something like the sports reporters, where you had five, six newspaper guys maybe sitting around a cigar-smoke-filled room having in-depth conversations uh, about the world of sports, you go from that to now. It's it's Stephen A. and Pat McAfee and uh, Ryan Clark and Robert Griffin and th- this whole roster. When you look during the daytime, and it's okay. Here's the topic. Yeah. We're all going to yell at each other, and then let's move on. And they do gangbuster numbers, right? Which honestly, then if you look at conversely the news channels like uh-huh. a, a political debate like right. then you got a panel a table of five people and some are yelling and this is what's going to happen this is not what's going to happen that's 100 percent correct and it's like am i watching sports or am i watching politics or is it just all blending together i am old enough to remember a time where i could throw it on cnn to watch the news and if cnn was on a commercial i'd throw it on fox to watch the news i 100 percent. and i'm not trying to piss anyone off here i'm, I'm saying on both sides mm-hmm. and, and i don't like to both sides things but here's the thing i know if i turn to cnn right now i know which angle i'm getting yeah I know that I have to de-CNN it to mm-hmm. understand the angle. And if I throw it on Fox, right. oh, my God, exact same thing. I know what's going on, and they'll deal with the same topic, and it'll be like uh, <sighs> person of color assaulted at a Kmart on CNN. And then on Fox, it's like crime is out of control at the Kmart. Oh, my God, what are we going to do about this? Crime is invading our streets. And I'm saying on both sides, 
Kelly's right. You want to have a middle. There's is there a middle ground? I think the toothpaste is out of the tube. I think Chris Verlade, and I won't get into his political leanings, but I think Chris, who I'm going to give him a little bit of a compliment here, as hard as it is, but Chris is well read. Chris tries to know what he knows, and he knows it very well. Like I, I don't think Chris is spending a lot of time on certain news channels right. for understandable reasons. Same with me. Same with you. Is there is there a is there a place out there that that would actually be able to satiate all three of us and my dad and Kelly and this guy across the street? Yeah, I would say the best news program where you get the most information from would be any PBS Frontline, to where there's something in the news, and then they say, "Here is two hours. This is what's going on in the world," and it's just like, "Oh wow, why isn't?" everybody talking about this and it's just like oh there's really not any money in that i don't disagree with you i think you're right i promise you right now there are multiple people listening to the show that as soon as you said that went ha state-run media pbs yeah right dude pbs uh-huh they're fair about we're that's how it is yeah and that's why we do stupid uh, fart jokes on sports shows. Because right. that's what matters Sorry, and that's what you need. We'll take a break. When we come back, Sammy, <laughs> the F. <laughs> there you go. You okay? I'm, I'm, I'm better now. Okay. Sammy, next.